and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. I'm Helena Carmel, and I'm here today with one of my favorite guests, even though he's so serious, Mr. Bruce Johnson. He did smile, listeners. Bruce, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on. Hoo-yah. Hoo-yah, indeed. We are talking about one of your favorite things, one of everybody's favorite things today, actually. We're going to talk about QIP, Qualified Improvement Property. Bruce, can you just start by giving me like a quick and dirty description of QIP? Or quick and clean, quick and clean. This is a, a podcast for all. So, I'll, I'll try. Okay. Let's kind of start historically. Yes. So this is an all was an all new part of the tax code instituted under the PATH Act, which was written into law in December of 2015, which at the time was a tax extenders package. So QIP, again, all new part of the tax code, came into being January 1, 2016. And it was defined, at, basically, before I get to the definition, it, now, it allowed for application of bonus depreciation on assets that historically did not have eligibility. So I'll give you an example based upon the definition. So the definition that was put into place in the PATH Act is still in place today. So basically we have a improvement to an existing building that's not an addition or expansion right. that did not include any work to elevators, escalators, structural members of the building could be determined as QIP, Qualified Improvement Property Eligible. I emphasized improvement because even today we, we handle lots of questions and people perhaps having a slight misunderstanding that this is applicable for new buildings. It is not because it has to be on a building that is already existing. And we have people saying, well, I'm doing a renovation. Well, if it's an addition or expansion, that again is excluded from QIP. But when we get back to this, this has been in effect for a fair amount of time. We're talking almost, what, six, seven years mm -hmm. now. And even today, under the old rules, we have questions. So what did it do? It basically, as I alluded to before, it allowed for bonus application on assets that traditionally were not eligible for it. So if we meet this definition, we now have eligibility on 39 year, potentially 39 year assets. And I'll give an example. Say uh, a, you, Helena, own a warehouse, very popular property today. I suppose, I'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, but the building was constructed 50 years ago. So at the time it did not have, say, a fire suppression system. Oh, so, so now you you want to install that so that you can protect whatever is in the building, maybe attract a different type of tenant. Um, well, clearly that is a 39-year asset, but you've got a building that you've owned for a period of time, it was constructed back 50 years ago. And this so is an improvement. It's an improvement. And, to oh, the building's interior. Interior, and therefore it is meets the QIP definition and there is therefore is bonus eligible. Fantastic. Under the old rules in 2016, what did that mean? That meant that it's so again when the path act came into place it said that this 30 traditional 39 year asset still stays 39 year 
but you're able to apply bonus. So in 2016 and 17, that was 50%. So whatever that, that investment was, you as the taxpayer could write off half of it. The remaining half you would write off straight line 39 year depreciation methodology. But it's way better today. Well, I'm just gonna say, then along comes the Tax Cuts for Jobs Act. Oh, he's gonna be sequential, people. Buckle up, okay. I am an engineer after all. He is. A reformed engineer. <laughs> so what we have there is Congress, if you recall, one of the things they said in tax reform, first time we had it in 31 years, uh, so there's a lot of changes. They wanted to simplify the tax code. I'm smiling because <laughs> they, they, they really did not do that very much. But in this case, they did because what they they saw QIP as an area for improving the tax code. So what they did was, in the Tax Code for Jobs Act, effective January 1, 2018, QIP maintained the same definition, but it, what it says now is that if, it, if an improvement does meet the definition of QIP, even though there are 39 year assets perhaps in that mix, the depreciation changes from 39 to 15 year straight line and gets bonus eligibility. So essentially really creating a super powerful method whereby some, in, in a lot of cases for an improvement, say you want a multi-tenant office building or retail center, a lot of those tenant fit-outs, in most cases, are going to be fully QIP eligible. So Same. under today's, today's rules, again, at least through the end of 2022, we have 100% bonus. So that basically means you're, you have a scenario where you could be writing off whatever that, that improvement investment would be. Whereas under the old rules, and by the way, timing matters. The date of service is going to trigger whether you're the under the old PATH Act related QIP rules. Remember, it stays at 30, if it's a 39 year asset, it stays 39 year and you get bonus eligibility. That basically is through assets placed into service from 1 1 16 through the end of 2017. Are you still seeing a lot of improvements or is it starting to kind of trickle out? No, I mean, it's, it's not common, but so long as the fact pattern exists, it, it's still, it, it's a still possible. So, yeah. uh, one of the things I've learned is to never uh, eliminate something because <laughs> it shows up in the most opportune and sometimes inopportune, inopportune ways. Yes. But starting January 1, 2018, we have these new rules, which really have created uh, a significant opportunity. As we well know, we had the crafting error or the wording error in uh, the original legislation, but that's been taken care of. So let's, thank goodness. The only thing I'll say to that is. And I suspect that's somewhere you were going to prompt this a little bit. I'm going to just go the, for it. We have the opportunity. There was a period of time, roughly 14, 16 months, where we had QI, the new QIP that was broken. That's been fixed. But if you have an asset that was placed into service in that time frame when it was broken, then you can't go back and change that through a, a look back study. You can go back. And abs change absolutely, that. it's yes. it's something. It's highly advisable, at least, to explore to see if it if you can use the benefit. I mean, we did that for many, many clients. We stopped counting yeah. the amount of the additional deductions we yeah. help people. It was capture. amazing. Yeah, it's it was amazing. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So no, QIP is amazing. It's a great resource, and and everybody wants their improvements to be QIP. And in fact, you know, we see a lot of people doing a major renovation, and then they're like, okay, it's all QIP. It's all QIP. 
And that would be awesome, but that's not how it works, obviously. Um, and you touched on the definition before, and I just want to break it down even a little bit more closely. Um, so right from the tax code, the definition is an improvement to an interior portion of a building, which is non-residential real property. If the improvement is placed in service after the date the building was first placed in service by any taxpayer. And as Bruce mentioned, exclusions exist for any work done to an elevator, escalator, a building enlargement, or any work done on a structural member of the building. So I just want to pull out some keywords and just highlight them. Um, and Bruce, you already talked about interior work performed on an existing building. So obviously it can't be a newly constructed building and the work has to be on the inside. So anything that you do on the facade or the roof, it's out, right Bruce? Yeah, an example would be you've got a retail center and you're doing an energy retrofit to the HVAC system. So in most cases, particularly in strip centers, you're gonna have a split HVAC system, meaning the main equipment is going to be on the roof, outside the building, and the ductwork controls and maybe some secondary devices will be on the interior. So Can the inside stuff get QIP? So that's that's kind of what I was driving at. Sorry, I got excited. It, it would be easy to just look at this and say, oh, this is all eligible, but really when you look at the, the details, details matter, um, carving out what's exterior would be non-eligible and anything on the interior would be eligible. So that's really interesting. So you can actually kind of split the asset. So like, long as you have the, the ability to do that. So you may have, uh, say say, in that project, you don't have an ex a very detailed invoice or, or scope of work. Just replace HVAC system for at in tenant suite 101. Mm -hmm. um, that may not be, that might prose problematic to be able to carve out exactly what's right. inside and out. Right, but when it's possible and when the documentation is there, it's something that's theoretically doable. Uh, absolutely, okay. we strongly encourage it. That's awesome. Um, okay, so obviously, so the building has to be already in existence. So if a current shell is put into service by an owner and then some later date, a tenant leases the space and they do all their own tenant improvements, that's fine, right? There was 10 improvements. I mean, in theory, even if there's only one day, two day difference between when the, the initial, the main building was placed in the service and the fit out was placed in the service, in theory, you could be using the QIP. So there's no minimum amount of time. I actually there's remember no there was a, a whole like a whole question, a whole controversy about it, and then it was basically yeah. Like there's as no long red line guidance on day. it. So yeah. it's like so many things in the world of tax, it's interpolating the facts of a specific circumstance and seeing how where if there if there is a part of the tax code that, that covers that and in this case there is none so there's a lot of interpretation but I think the statement we just made that if as long as there's a day or even two in theory that is you have a leg to stand on to, to be able to use QIP for the improvement portion of the investment that's awesome so cool um, okay so I also want to just highlight non-residential in the definition um, so apartments, townhouses, anything residential, you, those improvements, whether they're interior or not, they're not gonna be QIP eligible. Correct. And the same thing for like a nursing home or a long-term care facility, right? Same yes. situation. Yes, Okay, so what if you have a mixed-use building, Bruce? Like what if it's part residential and part commercial? Well, kind of you go back space? to the defining whether or not as a residential. So where does 80% or more of the revenue come from if, sorry, rephrase that. 
if 80% or more of the revenue for that particular project property comes from the residential side, it's a residential property, uh -huh. therefore it's ineligible. So therefore, if it's the revenue is less than 80% coming from residential, then it's a traditional commercial real estate asset, and therefore QAP should be applicable. Okay, so it's, it's back to that 80% magic number for the Yeah, you go studies. back to how do you define the property how do you define from a real property the perspective. Got it. Okay. And so just pivoting for one second to, to what QIP is not. So for sure it's not elevators, it's not escalators, and it's not anything that enlarges. But if somebody does, like, let's say you do an addition, but you also do a renovation at the same time. So you can't take QIP on anything in the addition, but you certainly still could on the renovation part of your project, right? Absolutely, I mean, it's similar to the example we had on HVAC equipment. You really have to dive into the, the details of the scope and then the costs and apply them, apply the, the rules applicably. And, and right, and as you said, real property. So under Section 1250, real property are those traditional 39-year assets. And that means Section 1245, personal property, not eligible for QIP. Yeah, I think this is an interesting distinction that, that we at Capstan evolved our understanding of QIP on that, as you just mentioned, in the actual definition of QIP in the PATH Act, it clearly states real property. So the reason why we really started to focus on that more is that if you look at in the case of other legislation, particularly the Tax Cuts for Jobs Act, and in that instance talking about, unrelated to this, the business, business interest deduction limitations, mm. it mentions specifically real property. So tying both those unrelated instances back to the tax code, real property being, as you said, 1250 assets, your base building assets. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, QIP, by definition, should, in black and white definition, the, that 15-year straight line, focus on those base building defined assets. And therefore, anything that falls outside that, to your point you mentioned, 1245 personal property, should be carved out separately from that. Even though, and this is something that we still get, people kind of look at us and say, really, I'm still getting 100% bonus treatment because both those assets are defined as bonus eligible. That's true, but again, if, again, looking at the, the black and white definition mm -hmm. outlined in the PATH Act, real property is clearly stated there as the focus of those types of assets. So. Um, now, would the IRS challenge if, if someone said, yes, it, all, it met the definition, but you didn't parse out the five-year property? Probably not. But that's but not that how was, we roll here. That, that is correct. But that is all going to change once we start to see bonus ah. slip from 100% from to 80, 60, 40, and the 20. Let's that's talk about change. that. that let, you read my mind. Um, so, so what does it mean for QIP? Now, bonus rates are going to start declining January 1st, 2023. They're going to go down 20% a year. So next year, bonus is going to be 80%. What does this mean for QIP? What so basically, as we step away from 100% and therefore being able to high level, just at high level term, expense things in totality. I loved it. It was a wonderful time. Well, it's hard to believe we've covered this much time since right? TCJA was first passed. Feels like it was yesterday, doesn't it, Bruce? Absolutely. I was so young. You still are, Helena. Don't, don't discount that. That's, that's the way to play it. Okay, that's absolutely. 
Um, so to answer your question, then as we transition to lower bonus rates, then we're going to start to see the timing difference. So it'd be more important to be able to carve things from five year to fifty to five from fifteen year to five years. Right. So we're going to see that become more important. Right. Right. Um, and one other planning note too. So if 163J was elected to elect out of the interest deduction limitation, so then QIP becomes ADS 20-year life and isn't eligible for bonus. But what if somebody elected out and now they're like, oh, I think I changed my mind and I want to I get back in. Is that an option? Well, the yes and no. Um, during that time of uncertainty, um, the IRS did issue and then we had the PATH Act come and change things, uh, particularly correct the, the crafting error for QIP. The IRS gave a window of opportunity for people to be able to, to make that re revoke, and I don't know if that's the right word, but change back to, to be able to use QIP. Um, so there, there may be instances and it's a, there's a window of opportunity mm -hmm. that was allowed under that spe those special rules. Uh, I think it was Revenue Procedure 2020 Dash 22, 20, 22 uh, or 25, 10. but it was back in 2020 when the PATH Act was passed that those revenue rulings were, passed, were, were issued to give rules to be able to go back and change things that had improperly been filed because we, we didn't have corrections to the PATH, the two uh, nice QRP. Well, it, there's an instance of where the IRS had the time and effort to be able to do that. But no, and it was, it was nice, absolutely. and it was good, and okay, good. <laughs> All right, we've talked a lot about QIP, and I still love it, and it's still like everybody's favorite. And I was playing Scrabble with the kids, and I was like, perfect, QIP. But that's not actually a real word. You can't use it in Scrabble. Your children won't let you, FYI. Um, Bruce, do you have any like take-home QIP messages for our listeners? Well, I mean, we've talked about this in maybe other podcasts, but I also would refer to the Section 179 Standard Business Deduction Rules, mm -hmm. where that we had under the path under the TCJA expansion of rules. So if something is QIP eligible, you fit that definition and the timing, meaning the new rules when the new 179 rules came into play, you could be also leveraging that. But that's for another discussion. But just to show the level of Complexities. complexities providing opportunity. Oh my God, this might be our sign off. Complexity provides opportunity. Bruce has said it before. I feel like he'll say it again. If, oh my gosh. We should make it a jingle. Complexity? All right. Um, Bruce, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting and I learned a lot. Um, and listeners, I hope that you did too. Um, I'm Helena Carmel here with Aaron Strongen and, of course, our Bruce Johnson. If you'd like to talk more with Bruce about QIP or anything else, give us a call. Your phone might be in your hand right now. You might be taking a healthy jog while you listen. 215-885-7510. You can also visit our website at capstantax.com slash contact us. There's a little box and you can just type in, hi, Bruce, help me with QIP or whatever it is, and we'll be in touch. Um, if you liked what you heard, why not subscribe? We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and again, the website, capstantax.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. 
Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.